Hey folks, in this episode of the podcast, I'm speaking with Jim Richardson. He's a National Geographic photographer and oh so much more. We're going to be talking about story in your photography. This is Twit. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, I have the honor, and I do mean honor, of sitting down virtually with Jim Richardson. He is a, he's a photographer's photographer. And we were chatting a little bit before we started recording just about his approach to photography. And one of the things that stuck in my head was, you know, a, a lot of times when I when I speak to photographers, I try to pigeonhole them and I say, what's, what's your genre? What do you shoot landscape portrait macro weddings astro whatever and jim says and i'll let him say it in his own words but he says he goes from the story angle and then the story the photography fits in on the other end of that jim richardson welcome to this week in photo how are you doing I'm doing fine, Frederick. It's good to be here with you. Thank you yeah, for having me. It is my pleasure to have you. I feel like, you know, I, I am honored to be able to pick your brain for a couple minutes. I feel like this is one of those masterclass sessions where, you know, I for a few minutes, I can ask someone who's, you know, who knows a lot about photography, some really, really deep questions. And one of those deep questions is story. So let's, I want to dive into that. Before we do that, for the folks that may not be familiar with Jim Richardson, mm -hmm. can you give us your, uh, give us your, your elevator pitch, as I call it, or your coffee table spiel? You know, how do you, how do you introduce yourself over drinks to people you haven't met before? Well, all right. So if I'm trying to be impressive, <laughs> it's always a good idea in photography. If you're, yes. if you're trying to get work. Yeah. Yeah. Don't uh, be humble. <laughs> is, is, uh, is I say uh, the shortest hand is I say I am a photographer for National Geographic magazine, uh, where I have worked for 35 years, uh, which makes me one of the old guys. Uh, I like to point out that I had hair when I started doing this, so so you know I've been at it a while. And and there are a few people who've done more stories than I have, but well, not many. But I got my start doing newspaper photography, where, which I did for 15 years, and where I really got my start in documentary photography, black and white kind of things. So I've been at this 50 years uh, in the business. So I've gone through a lot of kinds of photography, a lot of kinds of gear, and a lot of genres. I love that. You know, and I got to say, when I was when I was growing up, my dad had a subscription to National Geographic. And I remember on the, you know, whenever a new issue would come up, it would slot on the bookshelf. And there was this, you know, this ocean of Nat Geo colors right on that bookshelf. And we used to just randomly pick one and go through it and look through all the amazing photos in in that magazine. So I, I guess technically I grew up on your photography. Yeah, so thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. You, pro you probably have seen some of them in the magazine. I, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Let, let's talk about that first before we dive into the story side of this conversation. Uh, the, you know, you're, you're in a unique position, I would say, to answer this question or have this dialogue when you about just sort of the, the transformation of the industry, especially from a print perspective. So National mm -hmm. Geographic is, for a lot of photographers, is and was the pinnacle of success for the photographer. If you could get your work in National Geographic, 
it was kind of like the Harvard or the, you know, the, the ring from Lord of the Rings, if you could get it. So looking at it then, let's call it 20 years ago, right? Mid-career mm-hmm. for you, 20 years ago, or, you know, maybe not even mid-career. So 20 years ago and where things were both on the print side and the technology side versus today, 2021, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's been a couple of changes. What changes, you know, I'll make this a twofold question. What are some of the best things that have come out of the evolution of the art form and some of the worst things, in your opinion, that have come out from, you know, from then to now? Well, if you went back 20 years, um, definitely it would still be dominantly print. Uh, and and the, the mechanism there, whether it was National Geographic or Life or any of those other big magazines, was, was that there were relatively few channels, magazines, say, um, and your real job as a photographer was to convince the gatekeepers at those publications that you were good and you could do what they needed done. So if you could convince um, uh, Bill Garrett at National Geographic or Tom Kennedy, the director of photography, you know, that 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 you were one of the best, you know, then you were probably going uh, to get work. And and they would uh, there was a certain sort of anointing that went Mm -hmm. on when they said you were good. Yes. okay, And and to be honest. They'd seen a lot of photographers and then, and so there was, so that, that was the hurdle. That was the hurdle. Yeah. Now jump forward 20 years to today and the role of the gatekeepers is much diminished. They still exist, but there, now there are so many channels. And so to go to the most obvious one is Instagram, mm-hmm. right? And which there are essentially no gatekeepers, not not entirely no gatekeepers, but essentially it's become very democratic. And what you have to do is not convince one person that you're good. You have to convince each and every person who's looking at your picture that you're good in order to get the likes, yeah. you know, or yeah. get the follows. So, yeah. so what that, what that, that essentially means is um, it's vastly increase the number of photographers out there doing things it has vastly increased the number of good photographers Mm because there are lots of them you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it has changed the dynamic Um, it used to be that photographers sold pictures your job was to create the pictures that then somebody else used and put on the page and the 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 mechanism was you sold them pictures one way or another. Um, today, I I like to say you're selling eyeballs because mm. that's what you've got to do. You've got to be interesting and you have to have followers because if somebody comes to you and they've seen your Instagram feed and they want to give you a job, you know, uh, say a commercial job, they want you to take their brand new automobile and drive it around the American West and do all these cool pictures of, uh, of uh, what you encounter, you know, going down Route 66, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they expect you to do is to bring a whole bunch of eyeballs with you. So and that's the have, change, right? You have right? to have that follow. That is, is a very big change. And there are photographers who, they never got it. 
There were very good photographers back in the print era who never quite under, kind of caught on to that, uh, that fundamental change. Um, and then there are other photographers who've come along in the meantime out of nowhere who really got it, who are really interesting, and they exist no place else but Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, the, yeah. Instagram isn't their springboard to get published where they do their real work and, and make their real money. No, it's right there on Instagram. They shoot for and, Instagram. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And they don't, they have no need to get published in National Geographic. Is that good you know? <laughs> or bad, though? Is that good? You know, when you look at it from an educational or education perspective, mm -hmm. you know, in the old, let's call it the old days, remember that stuff called film, right? So yeah, right. Th the feedback loop, you know, depending on your if you if oh, you were yeah. fortunate enough to have a dark room or the money to have it processed was shoot a bunch of stuff, vary your settings process it, look at your mistakes, you know, maybe make a proof sheet, look at your mistakes, circle them with grease pencil, and then go back right. and try to do it again and get better and better. And that could take years to get to a level of competency that that is right. Yeah, that now, you know, even with the camera, you can look at the back, obviously digital and say, oh, it's overexposed or underexposed uh, if the camera even lets you do that. But right. the other side of it is the like you said, the what we call the attention economy, where people are on Instagram giving you instant feedback on if it's good or bad. You know, that Roman feedback, if it's good or bad. So is that. Is it, I guess the, the crux of the question is, is it better to have that foundation and the scar tissue of learning the f-stop shutter speed ISO composition mm -hmm. and understanding all that? Or is are we past that now? Kind of like manual transmissions. You can still drive a car. It's just, you know, these <laughs> days it's going to drive itself, right? So right, what, right, what do you right, think so. from a, you know, from a veteran photographer, what do you think about that sort of dichotomy between old school mm -hmm. photography and hey, it's artificial intelligence. All you got to kind of do is think about the shot you want, it'll appear. <laughs> so what, right. what do you think about that? Well, uh, m many things have made it easier, in, including things like the iPhone, you know, yeah. which, mm -hmm. I, which I dearly love, by the way, for, 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 for photography. Yeah. But, but yes, let's just go back to the black and white era. And your analogy was, was right on because uh, the feedback loop of doing black and white photography you very often thought it took people a year or two to really start be able to start making a good looking print. You know, it really did. And, yep. and, uh, and you had to futz around with a lot and, and, and yeah. it took a while. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone thought they were Ansel Adams with the dodging and burning and the oh, cardboard oh, yeah. and all that. Right. Yeah. Quite, quite right. Quite right. <laughs> um, but then, um, Today, I often see people who are t producing fantastic looking pictures and they say, well, I've been at it three months, you know, <laughs> three yeah, months. I've oh heard the gosh. same thing. Uh -huh. they, 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 they learn things uh, in, incredibly quickly. Um, so you can look at that uh, in that two ways. You can say that it has cheapened uh, the craft. Mm -hmm. I like to think, on the other hand, that it has raised the bar considerably. So mm. you can look at it either way. What what really happens then is that what was what you would have considered really good 20 years ago, what you would have considered really good five years ago is no longer good enough. Yeah, because because 
what really it comes down to is not some abstract major measure of how good the picture is. It is how good is it compared to what everybody else is doing? Yes. That's so right. you 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 really have to be there and you have to be thinking, oh, it's gotten easier because digital feedback. I can look on the back of the screen. I can tell whether or not I've got the exposure on the Milky Way right right now, you know, um, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. But what that really means is, oh, I've got to do better. I've got to raise the bar because there are now lots of people out there who could do this. And I've got to be producing better and better images all the time in order to, you know, keep up. Yes. The, but but the but the but the great the greater thing is and this this I think is wholeheartedly good is um let's go back to let's go back to Kodachrome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kodachrome Kodachrome was the, the thing about Kodachrome was was you only had to shoot four hours a day. Because it only looked good from a half hour before sunrise to an hour and a half after sunrise. <laughs> yeah. And from from an hour and a half before sunset to an hour. So you could go out in the morning, do your morning shoot, then go back, make phone calls, set up new pictures, take a nap, you know, because there was absolutely no use in shooting in the middle of the day. Right. Uh, and and then you'd go back out in the evening with digital you got to work all day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It can, yeah. it can look it, it can look good in all kinds of conditions. Plus, we gained the night. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. yeah. No joke. Noise-free nights, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, in pe- people shoot at ISO 800 today and they see a tiny little bit of noise and they go, "Oh my god, you know, I can't stand that noise, you know." And you go, "Oh my gosh, you never shot Tri X at 1600 and developed it in Acufine, did you? You know, no, you didn't. That's right, golf ball uh, size grain, right? Oh, for God's sakes, yes, you know. So, um, so, but that means that we have gained huge amounts of the world that we can cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be, and essentially, in the pages of the National Geographic, nighttime hardly existed. <laughs> You know, yeah, because you right. could just you just couldn't do pictures. I mean, I shot a lot of film, and say uh, when we got into the Fujichrome era, Velvia, ISO fifty, um, Provia at one hundred. Provia wasn't. You got another stop. That was pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. you could push it. You could push it to two hundred. Mm, you couldn't push it to four hundred very well. Yeah. Um, and uh, so essentially, what that meant was, on a story. You would shoot only the situations that you could shoot with an ISO 100 film. Wow. Because wow. because vir- virtually anything you shot on ISO 400 film never got picked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Just, it just, just didn't look good enough. Yeah. This would so, be great. What a great concept. If only it was a little sharper and less fuzzy, oh, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and besides... You'd have all these other pictures that looked better, and everybody would eventually just say, "Well, you know, it's a nice subject, but you know, God, we can't we can't do without this other one that looks like uh, like like gangbusters." That's so, right. uh, so you you know, it was cream rising to the top, and that that meant though that what that really meant though is we weren't being objective about what we covered in the world. 
we right. were picking and choosing the subjects that were photographable with the technology we had. See, that's the type of that's the type of distortion. That is because yeah, you're you're that's right. I mean, I never thought of it from that perspective. You were limited to the daylight or to you know quote special effect photography at night on a tripod, long yeah. exposures and all that kind of stuff. So you know that's interesting. You bring up a good point about just the the idea of of telling the story right and the tools mm -hmm. that we use to tell a story the camera um mm -hmm. which again perfect person to ask this question to national national geographic it's it's all about the story right it's all about it's, it's right. from my perspective it's one of the quintessential uh publications that cover photojournalism and documentary photography so if you look at that back in the day when it was hard to climb that mountain to get to a to a Richardson level of competence in order to get to the other side where you had the skills behind you now you're going to tell stories with mm -hmm. those skills how do they how do you do it today so contrast that with today we don't see a whole lot of story these days right we see like you mentioned instagram we see a lot of beautiful right. photography but none of it is sewn together right and none of it is kind of in a cohesive story package what do you, what are your thoughts on that um, several things. Uh, the nature of story has changed. I mean, it used to be that essentially a a photo story was a little movie in still pictures, yeah. you know, with a beginning, uh, sort of like just, you know, traditional beginning, middle of an end and an end, you know. Um, and w with the coming of uh, video technology, uh, much of what we would have done in still pictures because it was just too hard to do in video can now be done in video and probably should be done because, well, it works better in video. And the mm -hmm. story is told better in video. So yeah. we just ought to let video do what it does well. Um, so, but it, it, it does change the nature of the story. So instead of, say, doing a little documentary story in which you would essentially do a day in the life of someone, you... you you would you would go to a small town and you would find the sheriff who was also the dog catcher, mm -hmm. you know, and you would follow that person around and whatever they did in their day, you know, ended up being your story. You know, well, OK, so that's that's one kind of a story. But the, say, for instance, I'm, I'm doing a story on the problems of agriculture and feeding the planet with a growing population in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, there's nobody to go follow around mm -hmm. to do that story. Right. The story has to be what you really have to do is you have to identify the issues and then go a try and do uh, pictures that illustrate the various issues and do it in a way that it the that a visual narrative carries the story forward. So you, we, what, what we would in those cases, say for National Geographic, what we would really do is we would not start with a place. I mean, that's a typical example for you. You think, okay, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon, and we're going to hang around and take great landscape pictures till we have enough pictures, and then we're going to go do a story in National Geographic. And that would not be a, a, a viable thing. What you would do is you would start with a story proposal. This is the way all these stories start. A story proposal. Mm -hmm. And it is about what is not what the text is going to be. Uh, it is about what the overall story is going to be. The pictures, the headlines, the graphs and charts, the maps, the text, the captions, all of that stuff together. 
You know, that's so that's what I'm in service of when I'm shooting for a story. The the, the proposal, the story proposal. Does that so story proposal have a have a like a desired I don't want to say slant to it, but a, a like a, a, a defining sentence like, OK, in this photo story, sure. I, I am going to illustrate the problem of homelessness in San Francisco from a homelessness go. person's perspective. Right. Sure. And, exactly. you know, as a result, we will raise awareness about the problem and hopefully blah, blah, blah. Right. So is it is it that kind of that kind of mission it, statement? It, it could be, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a pretty good example. Um, but let us say it, it could also be uh, uh, a story where, um, uh, let's see, uh, the, the Colorado River. So you yeah. get a lot of water for, out in California from the Colorado River, you know. A and, little, and, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and this, the essential line of the story uh, proposal is um, the... Uh, Water resources in the world uh, are desperately important to human uh, growth and life on the planet. The Colorado River is a, is a prime example of a precious resource in a dry land that drives uh, recreation, agriculture, industry, urban growth, and a host of other issues that are primary to the future of America. Okay, I like so it. that might that that might be okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, I've I've done that story before, so I I kind of know the the background of it. Okay. Um, so okay. So, and then what you do is you start going out and you're saying, okay, so, so what are the what are the things we'd like to say about the Colorado River? Where does the water come from? Where does it go? Who gets it? Who get who gets to make money out of it? How is it managed? Like, big dams like Hoover Dam, that kind of thing, you know. Um, what's the prognosis for the future? Are we running out of water? Um, you know, what happens when it goes across the border into Mexico? Does Mexico get any of it? Uh, what about those people who live down there, uh, you know, uh, squatters who live along the banks of the river? Is there any water left? You know, uh, mm -hmm. does it ever make it to the sea now? So you, I've just outlined there, there are about eight, 10 or 12 pictures that you could go do. About, ah, okay. So you sit down, that. you do your homework first. You sit down, you write it out and figure it's almost like storyboarding, right? So you figure out it, 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 what it the is. scenes are. Yeah, it, it is. In a case like this, and that's a classic uh, issues story, issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, so yes, and you would you do your research, as you, as you say, um, find out uh, what we can photograph and where, you know. And always, you know, so, so yes, it's a story about water issues. It's not a story about the adventure of going down the Colorado in a raft through the Grand Canyon. Though that may so, be a picture in there, you know, oh, one, yeah, one it, segment it, it, might be, and people use the right. river for enjoyment and recreation, boom, there's that shot, right? It, ex exactly right. But it's only going to be one picture. Right. And it's not going to be the, the, the whole thing. You know, if you're doing it for Outdoor Adventure magazine, yeah, it'd be all it'd all be rafting in the in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So di should, different, different story. Should photographers look at. So take what you're saying and internalize it. You know, say you're an advanced amateur, an amateur photographer, and you're, mm. you know, you're looking for things to aim your camera at and you're tired of taking pictures of 
you know, butterflies and flowers and long exposures of the dock and black and white and all that stuff. So should those photographers sit down, you know, assuming that this is the, the, the type of photography they mm -hmm. want to do, should they sit down and do a one page kind of storyboard of, okay, I'm going to tackle this issue in my hometown, you know, the whatever, you know, there's overpopulation and now the traffic screwed up or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. So should they should they do that or should you know what what's you your can. advice? Yeah, you can. But let's go back. You said butterflies. Yeah. But but butterflies is a perfectly valid uh, subject. Um, all those problems rel relative to pollinators. Yep. De declining butterfly populations. Just well, heck, the beauty of butterflies, you know. But what I would say is, what you need to have is you you need to have a focus. You need to have a uh, something that's telling you what this story is about, yeah, mm -hmm. so that you know where to concentrate your efforts, and frankly, what you can ignore. You know, because be be having that tool, having that focus, is really essential because um, it tells you where you can comfortably spend your time, uh, and what kind of pictures you hope to produce. Um, and and when you can uh, when you can safely ignore something. So if I know, for instance, that I am uh, um, doing a story on butterflies, and I go driving through Yellowstone and I see a bear over there, I'm not going to stop for the bear. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm a unless, butterfly photographer, and I'm doing a butterfly story. <laughs> but you know, unless it's a really good shot of that bear, and you could just grab it, right? <laughs> On, honestly, I would not. You wouldn't. Oh, interesting. Any, interesting. Any any time that I take photographing the bear is time that I'm not photographing butterflies. Oh, that is really interesting. That's so single-minded, right. single-minded focus oh. on that. So, so with that, so translate that back to you know, a, a more familial kind of environment where you're, you know, you're again, that advanced amateur or amateur photographer, you're going out on the weekends, you're doing photos like myself. Sure. I go out and my daughter's having gymnastics meets. Oh, and yes. Why not? I'm taking, so should I apply that? Like, okay, no. what's my goal here? Uh, I want to show her doing this, this, and this. Yeah. Cause I'll tell you the first time I shot one of those gymnastics meets, I was a wild man taking pictures of everything and everyone's <laughs> kids and my kid and the audience and everything. And I ended up with a gazillion photos that I I could yeah, care less right. about right so yeah, right. You, this you, logic you applies right <laughs> uh, you you also i think you need to make a serious clear-headed decision about how how maniacal you want to be you know really yeah. do you do you want to turn into a, a i mean if i'm doing a if if national geographic has given me an assignment and they've given me a bunch of money and i know that if i don't produce the story i may never get another assignment there again you know it, mm -hmm. it changes the equation. But for people who are doing this because it's recreational, uh, yeah, then you, do you really want to uh, to turn into that kind of nutcase? Yeah, maybe not. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe you want to maybe you want to have a, a nicer life than that. You know, my wife doesn't like when I go to Scotland a lot, you know, for some of my work there mm -hmm. on assignment. No, my wife does not go along. It's not fun. <laughs> Interesting. Know? It's work. It's a no. mission. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but a lot of people don't want to do that. And frankly, 
It's one of the reasons I enjoy the iPhone's photography is because all suddenly, well, I don't have to be that nutcase either. You know, mm-hmm. I you get blend some time in. off. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, you, know, you do, and and uh, and it's and it's a lot of fun. And uh, I've 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 had enough assignments in my life where I had to be that the nutcase uh, to to do that. And I think you know uh, the other thing is to. Um, one of the, I think, one of the most productive things we can do as photographers is to evaluate um, what we consider a successful photograph. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you're taking pictures of your girl in gymnastics, you have a pretty idea of of what what you think a successful photograph would be. It's going to show her, and it's yeah. going to show her doing great things and it's going to make you all feel better. And in 20 years, you're going to look back at those pictures and be really glad you took them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. Do they have to do those pictures really have to do anything else? No, Uh, they're, uh, they're bookmarks. They're memory bookmarks. That's the way I look at them. Mm -hmm. And and in that regard, they are hugely valuable. Now, whether or not they, they enter, they, you would enter them in a contest and, win any awards do you care probably yeah. not you know let's yeah. get let's get let's get They're real. time machines right i look at them those yeah. photos no, are, are i'm not exactly. i'm not shooting them for me or well, kind of or or you know us i'm shooting right. them more for a future version of my daughter and the people around her that will get a kick out of looking at these photos of grandma doing balance beam routines at well, eight sure. right so yeah on the, so. On, the, on the other hand Let's say you're Brent Sturton and you're taking pictures of the poaching of gorillas in Africa. Okay, so a successful picture there is a picture that, you know, you can't measure that by whether or not it it, it, it is lit well and follows the rules, compositional rule of thirds. The way to measure the success of that picture is whether or not it stops poaching. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal of that's the shot. That's the goal. That's or the like goal. the famous shot in Tiananmen Square, right? The, is it going right. to affect the outcome of this this conflict, right? Right, and, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So so there's those two kind of, of, of extremes. You're just using photography because you like going out and taking pictures of roses. Mm-hmm. More power to you, okay? Or you are somebody doing those kind of things like we just mentioned, and which, oh, yeah, you really do want to have an effect. Yeah. And and I would say in between, there are all these kind of things, you know, I mean, I see all kinds of people going out and they're documenting the wetlands in their community because they want to make sure that those wetlands survive uh, so that so that the ducks come back every fall, you know. And mm-hmm. those pictures merely, they need to be useful. They need to show what's going on so that you can, like, take them to the county commission or you can take them to the planning commission and say, look, people people are destroying wetlands, and here I've got a picture of it. Now, it could be a really yeah. crappy picture, but as long as it, dist- it shows it, you know, and it has the desired effect, I consider that a very successful picture. Yeah, so, yeah. And then you then you get into the whole photo contest business, and it all goes out the window, and people are doing weird things, you know, just because they win contests. Yeah, you know, it's, so. you know, now your customer is the judge. Well, what will yeah. the judge that, like, right? That's yeah. right. 
Yeah. Right. So how you know as a as a you know a, a professional Nat Geographic National Geographic photographer, you may, we we talked about at the beginning, um, and we're coming to a close here. So we we talked about at mm-hmm. the beginning the idea of you know like Instagram and or video and using different mediums to tell the story. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, what your your thoughts are on the importance of writing, to you know, because when we mm-hmm. talk about photojournalism. Right. We're talking about photography Mm -hmm. and journalism and kind of putting things together and telling stories with pictures. Um, Is writing still or is writing still important or is it a lost art form in the in the age of social media and LOLs and OMGs? I I still think it's important. I think it's it's really important to be because it, it used to be it used to be that that this story this story would be assigned and there would be a there would be a photographer assigned and a writer assigned and and, and all that increasingly mm-hmm. increasingly the, i think it's imp, it, it's important that the photographer is the embodiment of the issue itself and i'll use my friend joel sartori up in lincoln nebraska as an example he's the guy who does the uh, the photo arc mm-hmm. you know photographing all those those endangered species in zoos yeah. you know um so Joel is more than just the the photographer of that. He's the embodiment of the whole issue. And and yes, he writes about it, but he also speaks about it. And so he becomes sort of the 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 the, the vessel by which that story is carried forward. It isn't just the pictures that are doing it. It's it's his his totality of it. You know? mm-hmm. So I think you you asked though specifically about writing. Mm-hmm. Um and and yes, uh, it it is always going to be useful because because you may very well be in the business of trying to convince somebody else to let you go photograph something. Uh, it it may be that that you need that adjunct that the that the words and the pictures work together to tell the whole story because frankly there are certain kind of things that pictures just won't do that mm-hmm. words will yeah. and vice versa. So you, you so you want to even in Instagram, even in Instagram, um, you know, the I, I find m- many people react so positively to the what they see in the captions and, and what you end up there with is the total package of information. You have the picture and then you have what's being said about the picture. And and uh, in the old uh, Wilson Hicks model, you know, you get that third effect where you know, the words and the pictures do something that neither of them does separately. Um, and so you see a lot of people for, for whom those extended captions really are where they are able to get at, you know, some of the things that they want to emphasize. So, uh, yes, I, I, I think it can be a very powerful adjunct uh, partner to your photography. Uh, and but but especially if the photography is about um, is about something else than just photography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think it was there was the photographer. Was it Eve? Eve Arnold? Is that if I got that name right? I don't. I'm and not there, familiar. There was a story about a photographer from who had been working at Life, I think, or, or Look, who had been out of photography a while and came back to photography and asked her friend, she says, I don't understand what's going in photo- on in photography now. And uh, the friend said, well, it used to be that photography was about life 
and now photography is about photography. Well, right. that's a bad formula. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. photography that is simply about photography. You know, I was talking with a uh, with a, a photojournalist this morning, uh, and and uh, and saying that unfortunately, much of the time, when we when we talk about our photography, we end up talking to other photographers. Yeah, yeah. When the we echo when, chamber. <laughs> yeah, echo. It's 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 echo chamber, and you can do a big show in New York and have two hundred people come, and they're all other photographers. <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. and and so I, I I like to think that the important thing is that your photography is about something. Yeah, it's 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 about something that matters. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, that's a, I think that things. Uh, this is coming from my experience doing this podcast for a decade or so. Is it? It seems to be there. There are photographers that couldn't care less about the gear that they're using. Uh, or they only care about the gear that they're using in pursuit of the vision that they're trying to capture, right? Mm-hmm. So who cares who what brand it is or whatever? I'll buy XYZ off-brand if it lets me get from point A to point B. And then yeah. there is a, there's a group of photographers, and tell me if, if you agree with this. Um, there's a group of photographers that it seems like there's a, there's a waiting on the, the photography side of it, mainly on the social media side of it, getting likes and thumbs ups and all that. But another part of the equation is gear acquisition and lusting after <laughs> gear and buying the latest drone and gimbal yeah. and 360 care, you know, buying all the toys to do stuff, which I think is valid. I'm not poo-pooing that. It's valid. If you can do it, it's awesome to like, who doesn't want to play with new toys all the time? But <laughs> yeah, of it course. Just, yeah, I remember back in the day, photographers were like, yeah, I got this old F3, it's, I beat it to hell, I've dropped it out of planes and in rivers and it still works great and I'm still shooting. Yeah. It wasn't, what's the next camera I can buy, you know, that's gonna do, that's gonna give me more yeah. processing power and artificial intelligence and all this stuff. So, right, yeah, right. yeah, so, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, no, I, I, I confess, I'm a gearhead. I mean, yeah. I like cameras. Sure. As we sure. all are, right? <laughs> As we all are. And, and there's the seductive nature of the old roll of flexes and uh, all those, all those, all those kind of uh, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so, but um, yes, I I I hear the photographers who say, "Oh, you know, I really don't care about the gear. Um, mm-hmm. It, uh, uh, I just I just care about the subjects." Um, yeah, kind of. There's a limit to how much I believe that kind of stuff. It's a barrier the gear, in there, right? The, yeah. Well, the gear does matter. You know, it. it mm-hmm. y- y- you you have to have certain tools that really do the job. Right. And right. and so right. so yes, I remember when I was uh, when I was doing um, when I was doing a story on the Flint Hills of Kansas here for Na- uh, for National Geographic, the Rolling Prairie, and I wanted to do a night sky picture. And this was like in 2005. Uh, I uh, I was using Nikon, but you know, a Canon 5D at the time would do ISO 1600 pretty good, uh, and well, I, actually, kind of like not so bad. <laughs> and so I went out and I bought a Canon 5D and a 3514, and that allowed me at the time to do a Milky Way picture. You know, and there, and and this was at a time in which oh, there were just a handful of us trying to do that stuff in the United States. Uh, now it's everywhere, you know. Um, 
So I, yeah, I went out and I bought that gear particularly to do that picture. And we got a double truck spread in the magazine uh, from, uh, from doing that. And then after the story was over, I sold the camera. And, and uh, because I found that for other kinds of things, I like my Nikons better uh, yeah. at the time. So, yeah. so, so for me, um, the pictures that I need to produce drive the gear. And, and so sometimes, yep, could be I'm going to Havana, Cuba, and I can wander around uh, with a 35 millimeter lens and just do street photography on the street, you know. But if I am if I am photographing soil fungi, you know, for a story on soil, yep. Uh, well, that 35 is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except for the establishing shot of the farm, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, even even then, no, you're going you're going to you're going to be doing some serious macro work. You're going to be doing some serious lighting. Um, you know, but 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 it always comes down to well, what does the picture need to show, and what's the gear you need to do that, and then you go get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then then you have it. Yeah. And that's interesting. You know, and that that brings me around to the iPhone. You mentioned the the iPhone Uh and and where those things are going, like with the iPhone 13 and that new macro lens that it has on. That's just, you know, Arthur C. Clarke magic level stuff. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so, you know, I'm curious from a Nat Geo photographer's perspective, when you look at devices like the iPhone and Android phones that are coming out that are highly capable, especially if you look at them compared to what we had 20 years ago and what you can do with something shoved in the back of your pocket, you know, from a photography and editing and a sharing perspective all in this little device, what, you know, I, Where's your where's your mind at? You know, from a from a Nat Geo photographer that's used to going to parts unknown with bags full of gear and all that stuff. How does or does it the iPhone fit in to that oh, world? Sure. Okay, so I'll give you a, a, a hands-on example, a, a direct example. Uh, John John Stanmeyer, no David Gutenfelder, did um, walked across Tokyo for a story for National Geographic. That's 50 miles, hmm. walked across Tokyo, and he shot it all on the iPhone. No, because the, the, quali- the quality was plenty good, is excellent, yeah. and in black and white, it was just brilliant. And with the iPhone, he wouldn't have all of those, those issues of, of um, picking up a big heavy camera mm-hmm. uh, and trying to, to shoot intimate events on street life. Picking mm-hmm. up the iPhone, he was just one more person with an iPhone, and he could yeah. do very in, in, in intimate photographs. Other, I've done whole trips with National Geographic expeditions and only took the iPhone. It was delightful. You're you know? kidding me. And, so I've seen uh, there have yeah. been full trips printed in National Geographic. Oh, that that was expeditions. Those were their tra- travel trips. I have had oh, okay I workshops. Have had yeah. iPhone pictures published in in stories that were shot on the iPhone. For various uh, uh, for various reasons, yeah. but uh, but um, no, I've done whole trips with with just the iPhone. You know, it was it was it was liberating. It was creatively liberating to be mm-hmm. able to do that um, in that way. And and the the quality is astounding. The uh, the night mode, for God's sakes, you could stand there and take a three second night picture handheld. You know. 
uh, and the quality is really good. You know, yeah. I, yeah. And and here here's the thing. So I go back far enough that back in the seventies. I was getting really serious about documentary photography, so I went out and got a Leica M4. Actually, mm-hmm. bought two of them, and mm-hmm. I bought a, a Leica Summicron, Summilux, 35 millimeter f1.4. Okay, and I've still got those pictures. You know, the black and white pictures I shot on Tri-X at the time. Okay, mm-hmm. my iPhone 12 today. I let me let me go back into a, a similar kind of situation, shoot a similar picture on my iPhone 12, and then I'll make you a 20 by 30 inch print from both of them, and we'll put them on the wall, and I'll let you pick one that 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 is the best quality. The crazy? Leica or the iPhone? That's crazy. I, I guarantee you, you're going to see the iPhone picture. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the, the quality that I can do on my iPhone, you know, in those kind of situations, especially dark situations, is so much better than I shot on that Leica in the 70s. That uh, you know, I wish I could go back and shoot a lot of that stuff again. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's the truth of it. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's where yeah. we are. You know, and and you know, the the other side of that truth is you could shoot on the iPhone and, like you said, get perfectly serviceable photos and edit them on a on the phone or on a tablet. You know, and still be working with gear that fits in a little satchel bag while you're having coffee you know you can be editing the photos that you just oh that's right and share them right that's right <laughs> so, you, that's you still you still aren't going to do telephoto pictures of birds you still yep. aren't going to do uh milky way pictures mm-hmm. uh quite yep. that's that's mm, i don't know i've seen some <laughs> uh, i've seen some but yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah it's but, coming there there uh. yeah but 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 for for everyday con is particularly everyday conversational photography, you know, just where you're taking pictures because you're you're using pictures to communicate with with people about your life and all that kind of thing. Oh yeah, you know that's the that's the ticket. Yes, yeah. it is. So, but uh, but and 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 what you know the other thing that's going on nowadays, Frederick, is is that is that uh, I mean I came from an era in which. Uh, which, if you were going to do a particular job, you had to buy the gear. You had to buy it, and there are now so many options. I mean, with with, with camera rental, uh, or yep. or way or, or or ways ways of 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 getting particular bits of gear for particular jobs, and and then moving them along when you're when you're not doing that. That's just astounding, really. You know. Yeah, so like you don't, those, you don't have the, to get. One of the sponsors of of this podcast is MPB.com. I know you're mm-hmm. working with them on some things. What's what does that look like? What are you know, and what are your experiences with with MPB for selling used gear and that sort of thing? I w- I was surprised. I mean, they approached me, and then I kind of you know wanted to do my homework and and say, okay, are these are these guys for real? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Uh, so I went. I went looking at, and, and you know, they've kind of got the whole buy sell thing nailed. You know, <laughs> frankly, yeah. I'm, I'm really. It took a whole lot of the anxiety out of it. Uh, you know that that you can simply go on there, tell them what you got. You know, tell them how how good a shape it is. You know, be honest. You know, mm-hmm. and they're going to tell you what they'll give you for it. And they're going to send you a box, and you send the box back, and and they, or they'll they'll put it against any other gear that you want to buy. So you know you okay. So I, I want to I want to trade in this old Nikon, and I want to get a new Sony. 
you know, and they'll, you know, they'll give you a say, okay, here's the new Sony or the or the used Sony, say, mm-hmm, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, you, that you want right now. Okay. And here's how much it'll cost you, you know, and, and, and at least so, uh, so I mean, I know they're not the only ones doing that, but, but the, um, but the level of, of, um, of, of competence and, and security doing that has just changed the changed the formula. You know, it yeah. really makes me think. Okay, maybe that's what I do. I have a particular job. I have a need for a particular bit, bit of gear. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna use it for three months, and I'm gonna sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So basically, almost almost kind of like renting it. But yeah, kind of you know, think of it as a long-term rental. A yeah. long-term rental, or at least, yeah, no, for sure. And it also changes the 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 formula, like you say, of the you know your accumulation of gear from all yeah. the experiments that you've been doing over the years. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, astrophotography, that's my thing. Oh no, maybe not. Now you got all that stuff, right? Or this, that's my thing. Now I really don't need a fisheye anymore, but it's I don't want to get rid of it because it's going to be a pain in the butt to get rid of. Of it and then right, Craigslist right. or eBay, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, no, I'm just no, gonna, no. I'm gonna I keep it. Yeah, anyway. yeah, it just makes it easy. So, you, yeah. so what have you got, Frederick? What have you got back there on your shelf? You're not using anymore. Oh, I got a ton of stuff. You don't see what's in. <laughs> you don't see what's in that cabinet right there. There's, I've got, you know, I, I, so many Micro Four Thirds lenses that I don't want to even tell you how many are in there that are going. <laughs> they're going to MPB. You know, there's yeah, a okay. there's a bunch of you know Micro Four Thirds bodies, Panasonic Lumix bodies that are going to yeah. MPB. Um, all getting uh-huh. converted to full frame something or other so yeah yeah, okay. yeah yeah it's it's a it's yeah it's great yeah i've sold i before I, before we agreed to do the sponsorship on this week in photo you know i wanted to put my toe in the water and make sure that like you say they're a legit company so i sold something you know through the service to f- see how all the bits worked and what the flow was of dropping gear off and how long it took to get the money and all that stuff and i was blown away i was like okay now I have another way, you know, it kind of, like you said, yeah. it changes the formula of the stuff yeah. I have. So I, after, after that experience, I'm looking at my, my gear, like, <laughs> okay, what do I want? And what do I want to get rid of? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I love yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, and how many, how many shelves do you want to have occupied with stuff you're never going to touch again? You know? Yeah. Just so. mocking you every day as it depreciates. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, Frederick, I'm worth a dollar less than I was yesterday. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like that that 24 millimeter tilt shift lens over there sitting there saying, "I'm a really good lens." You know, don't you feel bad because you haven't yeah. taken any pictures of me lately? That's uh, right. That's right. Or that yeah, so. really expensive, you know, 85, which I love. I have a full frame 85 um, Sigma. Uh, but you know, you look at that lens on a full frame camera and the beautiful shots and portraits that you can get with it. And then you look at your iPhone <laughs> with, por- with portrait yeah, right. mode at night with no light, you know, what it can do. So it's, you know, it's it's an interesting time we're in with the choices, it, like you say, is. you know, coming with from the mobile side of things. And then, you know, these solutions like MPB that are changing our constellation of gear that we need to have on hand at any given time. I think the sure result thing. is things are shrinking. Right. You know, now you can. 
you don't have to you, can, you, you know have a glass case full of lenses anymore right. you can yeah. you could be much you could be much more flexible about it yeah you know yeah. and uh and uh and 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 it probably just makes it both your photography better and it makes you you it, it more, more lightweight yeah. yeah yeah like marie yeah. kondo says if if it doesn't spark joy get rid of it right so, yeah. <laughs> so uh That's we'll right. we'll We'll wrap it right there. Thank you for for spending this time, Jim. This is, you know, I I feel like I can chat with you forever and ever and just, you know, talk about photography until the cows come home. What's next on your your to do list? Like, what are you what are you working on now? And what does, you know, the next remainder of this year look like for you? Oh, well, I uh, a a couple of things, if I may, uh, if I may. Absolutely. Um, I do. I, I mentioned that I do a lot of work in uh, in Scotland. And I'm a classical music fan, so in about two weeks, I'm going up to do a uh, an audiovisual presentation with the Grand Rapids Symphony, uh, where uh, of Mendelssohn's Hebrides Overture, and in which I basically sit up on stage with the orchestra and follow along uh, with uh, showing these pictures of the Hebrides Islands of Scotland wow. uh, while they play the Hebrides Overture. That's always Get fun to do. Get out! Done, yeah, that's always fun to do. Yeah, and you hope. You hope to holy hell the, the the laptop doesn't freeze in the you know <laughs> yeah the scare the do scare it on an iPad yeah yeah uh, then I have uh, I have more uh, more trips to Scotland coming up next year um, for various purposes some of them with National Geographic some of them with Summit workshops um, that I do uh, I do workshops with and uh, then I have a probably I think in January we'll have another of my iPhone photography workshops coming up. Uh, so, uh, so that will be, uh, in, in, uh, in the works. Um, and, um, and then, you know, then <clears throat> since I've been at this over 50 years, there's a whole bunch of, um, of collecting all the stuff and putting it in an order, um, you know, fully cognizant that, that one of these days I'm going to kick the bucket and leave all that mess to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to, they're going to their, their eulogy that they read at my funeral is going to be much better if I haven't left them a stinking pile of crap. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I feel that pain right now. Trust me. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to uh, get it all organized and, and off to some archive someplace. Yeah, well, let's 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 hope for the best, and and that day when it comes time to write that eulogy will be many many decades in the future. So we're gonna like 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 forty years or something like this. Yeah, right. yeah whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no time soon. It's not gonna happen anytime soon. Jim, what's right. what's your URL? Where where's your work at? Where people can come check out your stuff? You, you have oh. stuff on Instagram, or is it all on your website, or both? Oh, I've got both. I've got uh, my my uh, my Instagram is Jim Richardson NG. That's for National Geographic. Ah, got <laughs> it. It's a. I probably shouldn't done that, but now I'm stuck with it. Jim Richardson, NG, uh, and then um, uh, my uh, website is jimrichardsonphotography.com. Easy. So yep. you'll find a whole lot of stuff there, as well as be able to get uh, back to my. Uh, uh, we have a gallery in this little town I live in, and. Uh, and that is a small world gallery, so uh, people can can get there as well if you want to see uh, some more of my work. 
What a life. That is that is fantastic. And if, if people want to take your one of the upcoming workshops, is it through your website? Like if I want to take the, the iPhone photography workshop, how does that work? You know what I would do is I would go look at, at uh, summitworkshops.com. S-U-M-M-I-T workshops.com. And you're going to find uh, you're going to find me there uh, of uh, upcoming workshops. I do some other things as well, which are generally uh, they're a little more aimed at uh, working professionals and the kind of uh, travails that working uh, professionals deal with. So but you can find them there. I love it. As well as as well as as well as others. Yeah, I want to I want to see a workshop. I want to put in a personal request for a workshop on iPhone professional iPhone photography like use from a taught from a Nat Geo photographer how do you you know how do you get work and can you using just a little sliver of aluminum and glass what does that look like you know take us into the future Jim Richardson I, I I think you need to find you there undoubtedly there's somebody on on Instagram who's really got that nailed uh, yeah, yeah yeah that's what they always say you know but yeah, sometimes well, that yeah, person is you right yeah <laughs> so, well, sometimes sometimes yeah. yeah well thank you thank you for coming on i appreciate you and have a have a fantastic rest of your week and hopefully we'll stay in touch i'd love to have you on the show again to talk deeper about some of these different topics i feel like we just skimmed the, t- the the surface of this stuff we gotta we gotta dive deep and get into the get to the silver halide yeah. level of this stuff <laughs> Fred, Frederick, it's, it's, it's been delightful, particularly because, uh, you know, I, I can I can tell from your questions, you you've been there and you walk the walk. And uh, so uh, the I, I, doing these kind of things with somebody like you is always a delight. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully the audience will get a kick out of it and you'll get, you know, and if you guys do get a kick out of this, make sure you reach out to Jim through his website and say hello. Yeah. Thank you. Or on Instagram, make a comment on his Instagram, you know, or in some likes, we could always use more of that stuff. So go with All right. Jim Richardson, thank you so much. And you have a, you have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you, Bye. See ya. This is Twitter.